Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, welcome back. Kelly and Chelsea here today on a Wednesday looking at some headlines and popular cultural topics with a biblical worldview. Today, we're going to be talking about AI beauty filters often found on social media, the growing trend of teenage girls and young adult women seeking plastic surgery to look more like their filtered selfies, and how we as Christians, as parents, as people living in reality, where everyone is created differently and beautifully in the image of God, how we should think about and handle this topic in our lives. And it's just really popular right now, isn't it, Kelly? It is. It really is. Yeah. The article that got my attention for today's podcast was posted on June 9th in Forbes. And the headline reads, Picture Perfect, The Hidden Consequences of AI Beauty Filters. Now, AI, which is artificial intelligence, is a big topic right now, especially with ChatGPT hitting the public arena. But AI has been around and is integrated into so much of what we do online. And most of the time, we don't even recognize that we're using AI. For example, if you use any smartphone mapping service like Google Maps or Apple Maps to navigate your way around town, or if you use your facial recognition on your smartphone, and frankly, anytime you Google something, or allow your text to autocorrect your spelling, you are engaging with AI. And AI beauty filters are nothing new. When Instagram first started, many people, including myself, used it for the photo editing filters it offered. These were AI filters. Well, Instagram began in 2010, and one year later, Snapchat arrived on the scene, sort of upping the ante on these AI filters. I know many people initially downloaded Snapchat simply because they wanted to play with these filters that made them look like a dog, like have little dog ears, or, you know, have this kind of spewing or long rainbow tongue coming from their mouth that was like really popular. But there weren't only these playful filters, there were also really incredible beauty filters that encouraged users to take selfies and share them with their friends when they looked all perfect. These filters really are a catalyst for the movement of the false reality of social media. We already had AI controlling our feed of what we saw, but the filtered selfies went deep into our self-esteem and our self-worth, and it just kind of defiled it with unreal representations of the world. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And it is that false reality. That's where we began to look at people and say, well, they're perfect. Their lives are perfect. Not only did we have this feed of perfection, where people made themselves look perfect in what they were posting and sharing, but like their pictures were legit looking perfect. So uh, I looked back and we have a lot of headlines from the past five years to show just not only how much this trend has been going on, but really how dangerous the trend of filtered selfies is to the psyche of young girls and women. So we also have a Forbes article from 2021 that's titled From Instagram Face to Snapchat Dysmorphia, How Beauty Filters Are Changing the Way We See Ourselves. CNN put out an article in 2020 that says plastic surgery inspired by filters and photo editing apps isn't going away. An article in Inverse in 2019 says 
plastic surgeons are worried about a condition called Snapchat dysmorphia. And the Huffington Post posted one in 2018 that said Snapchat dysmorphia points to a troubling new trend in plastic surgery. And finally, Wired in 2018 put out an article titled Snapchat Dysmorphia and the Real Dangers of Perceived Flaws. And then again, another one that sparked my interest was just the other day, Everyday Health says, quote, Snapchat dysmorphia is the stress of social media driving people to plastic surgery. So all of these articles basically point um, to the fact that, yes, there is a definite growing concern and the problem is persisting over the years. Or perhaps it's getting worse the further into AI we go. And while some people may think that this is all hyperbole and this isn't really happening, just hear us out because what you think about AI beauty filters may be one of the determining factors for whether or not your daughter uses social media and whether or not uh, more damage is going to be done than any parent realizes. This is the reality. If you don't know about these AI beauty filters and you're not talking about them, then lots of damage can possibly be done. I think it's also important to note that AI beauty filters are available in other places other than Snapchat and Instagram. Several standalone apps for this are also very popular. I just did a quick search and according to perfectcorp.com in an article that they put on their blog, the seven best beauty filter apps to upgrade your selfies in 2023. So they list the following. Number one, UCAM Makeup. That's like Y-O-U-C-A-M, UCAM Makeup. And number two, Beauty Plus. Number three, Camera 360. Four, Makeup Plus. Five, Facetune. Uh, Six, Airbrush. And then their seven was Instagram. So just looking at this blog post, man, these pictures were incredible. What they did to transform someone was really, really impressive. And TikTok made AI beauty filter headlines when recently it released Bold Glamour. This is a filter they released in 2023, um, February of 2023. And according to the Forbes article, after only one month, the Bold Glamour filter had been viewed on TikTok over 400 million times. So the biggest concern about this highly advanced AI filter is that it is, quote, disconcertingly seamless. Now, the Forbes article goes on to explain that you can put your hand or an object in front of the filter and the filter remains in place without a hitch, whereas the older ones 10 years ago, it distorted everything. It it didn't work nearly as well. So this is a huge upgrade from previous filters. And TikTok users themselves even call bold glamour dangerously realistic. But by realistic, I think that what they mean is that you cannot tell it's AI generated, right? Because we know this is not actual reality. Before, there were these telltale signs that someone was using a filter, these sort of digital giveaways. But now all you see is the perfected selfie. Not that the person looks this way in reality. And that is what's dangerous. Um, It's also dangerous that anyone who sees the picture or the video on social media that has been, you know, perfected with this bold glamour can assume that potentially that's how that person looks, which, of course, leads to the major issues in people's self-esteem and self-worth. Okay, so Chelsea, I want to go through 
Because this Forbes article detailed out significant problems associated with the widespread use of AI beauty filters. So I kind of want to go through them. Number one was unrealistic standards. This is pretty obvious. What seems so commonly you know, on social media is just the accepted norm now. People will then do anything to fit into this social norm, even if it means plastic surgery or expensive beauty routines, right? We've set a new standard for what beauty is and is this perfected, filtered look. Number two, the mental health impact. Body image issues and low self-esteem can lead to and has been proven to lead to anxiety, depression, or even addiction to social media validation. Number three, distorted self-perception. And I think this is a big one. Overuse of beauty filters may result in body dysmorphic disorder, which we'll touch on more in, in, in just a minute. Number four, increased pressure to look perfect. When lives are showcased on social media, there is an increased pressure to always look filtered perfect all the time because you never know when you're going to be, you know, when a picture is going to be taken of you, when a video is going to be taken of you, and then it gets posted online. Uh, number five, reinforcement of biases. So this article said that, you know, by consistently reinforcing appearances of younger, fair-skinned, and frequently aligned with traditional gender norms, we're reinforcing biases. Number six, misinformation and deception. With dramatically altered appearances, it facilitates the deception amongst all who see it. Number seven, the implication for young users, right? This is part of where our heart really comes in. Young people, especially adolescents and girls, are very impressionable. And regular exposure to filtered images distorts a healthy image of beauty and reality, all of which can have lasting psychological impact. And number eight, privacy concerns. AI beauty filters store user facial data. And like all huge data sets, they are susceptible to breaches. Not to mention social media apps can share that data that they collect with third parties for targeted advertising, etc. Man, that is a list. It's a lot of concerns. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I'm really glad that you went through that list because oftentimes we don't really think through all of the potential implications of using like a digital tool or an app like beauty filters. The one that really stood out to me because I think it has subtly impacted everyone, maybe even those who don't use beauty filters, is number four, the increased pressure to look perfect. I know I have looked at pictures before Kelly online and I'm like, man, does she always look that way? Right. You know what I mean? That's the question in the back of my head. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is where we see the explosion of services offered for like eyelash extensions, Botox, lip injections, laser this, laser that, and so on. It's not as though all of these things are bad or sinful, but simply to say that it's really easy to see how they satisfy the need to look perfectly filtered all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's we live in a capitalist society, so of course everybody's going to create a service to meet the needs of the people. And right now, the needs of young women is perfected looks. And I would also add that that pressure to look good all the time can lead people into social phobias because they legitimately are fearful to go out in public unfiltered. And that's so sad. (laughs) That is really sad. Not only are they wanting to stay inside because they're just on the screen all the time, but now they don't want to go out because they don't look filtered. Mm, That's a really good point. I think the other implication that really envelops all of this concern is the surgical reconstruction that a lot of people are seeking out 
to achieve a level of beauty that's not only inauthentic, but it is not the answer to the problem that resides in their heart about how they look. And this isn't just a women's problem. I know that men right now have been getting um, surgery to make themselves taller. Yeah. Have you? I've seen yeah. that too. So it's, it, this, is, this is everyone. Everyone is struggling with these issues that we're seeing um, or that are, we're being influenced with with social media. I think this is definitely of greater concern, I believe, than an eyelash extension or a lip injection because surgical procedures have life-threatening risks and long-term complications that cannot be seen outside the lens of immediate gratification. This is very similar to our concern regarding gender transition surgeries. They're permanent. They are dangerous. They can have lots of long-term complications, but no one's really talking about it. Just, hey, get your Botox and you're going to look fab. You know, yeah, or get your like, no, yeah, get your rhinoplasty, your nose done, or I mean, they were doing these buccal surgeries to make you know your cheeks slimmer, look yeah. slimmer. I mean, there's yeah. all sorts of these things going on, and if we look where the source is, it looks like this could be one of the sources. Yeah. So let's look at this for a moment. The Everyday Health article provides really good information on this, backed up by research. So according to a 2022 survey from the American Academy of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgeries, 79% of facial plastic surgeons said that looking better in selfies continues to trend upward. 79%. So yes, they are reporting on the trend of looking better in selfies. But the fact that plastic surgeons regularly hear that looking selfie filtered perfect is a justification for plastic surgery is definitely a reason for concern. In a paper published in 2018, so about five years ago, the Journal of American Medical Association of Facial Plastic Surgery noted that what used to be limited to celebrities and models and magazines, it's now pretty much open to anyone. They said in 2018 that these filters and edits have actually become the norm um, and they are altering people's perception of beauty worldwide. So this is not an American problem. This is kind of like global. And then in that same article, it was written, quote, the pervasiveness of these filtered images can take a toll on one's self-esteem, making one feel inadequate for not looking a certain way in the real world and may even act as a trigger and lead to body dysmorphic disorder. Yeah. So that report came out five years ago. And what we know is that body dysmorphic disorder otherwise known as BDD, continues to be an increased diagnosis. So let's define body dysmorphic disorder, BDD, because some might get it mixed up with gender dysphoria. And so I was researching this and it was really interesting because I began seeing all these articles about how the actress Megan Fox came out saying that she suffers from BDD. So I wanted to be really clear because I think some people might doubt whether or not that's a real thing when you see a celebrity come out and say that. So let's be clear what it's medically defined as. The DSM-5 says that BDD is described as a concern with one or more defects or flaws in physical appearance that are not observable or are perceived subtly by others. So I think these definitions, as I'm going to go on, I'm going to give you three definitions. They get a little bit more clear as we go. The National Health Service states that BDD is a mental health condition where a person spends a lot of time worrying about flaws in their appearance. These flaws are often unnoticeable to others. And the International OCD Foundation, because BDD is considered to be a subtype of OCD, they define it this way, a mental illness that can lead affected individuals 
to have frequent thoughts about their appearance, seek constant reassurance from others that they look okay, check their appearance in the mirror or other reflective surfaces repeatedly, avoid social situations to prevent others from seeing them, and use hats, scarves, and makeup to conceal the perceived flaw. Now, BDD has a prevalence of about 2% of the population generally, making it actually more popular, more prevalent than anorexia and schizophrenia. Now, the prevalence of BDD in dermatology settings, I thought this was interesting, was 11.3%, so a lot higher in that setting because we're talking about skin care, especially facial. 15% prevalence in general cosmetic surgery, and then 20% in rhinoplasty, which is nose reconstruction settings. So these facial and plastic surgeons are seeing the prevalence of BDD more often because, of course, they want to surgically fix this perceived flaw. And this is not a simple disorder. Like OCD, like other OCDs where, you know, you may obsessively clean or turn off the lights, the distress caused by BDD can be extreme. It has been reported that up to 80% of young people who have BDD experience suicidal ideation and 40% attempt suicide. So this is one of the major complications experts are concerned with because these filtered selfies really lead us to consider that we're not good enough. Not only is social media extremely damaging and crippling for people who already have BDD, but again, there is a growing body of concern among healthcare professionals that social media beauty filters are also leading people to develop BDD. Research published in the International Journal of Eating Disorders notes that social media is correlated with body dissatisfaction and the desire to change one's appearance. But this alone really doesn't mean that someone has BDD. This is a really important detail. Just because you want to change your appearance doesn't mean it's BDD. But at the same time, this desire really isn't healthy either. The Everyday Health article continues with a quote by Dr. Patrick J. Byrne, and he says, Even if someone doesn't develop BDD, the desire to airbrush your flaws away remains damaging. The trend may be encouraging young people to put far too much emphasis on their own personal appearance than they should. Granted, this has always been a concern in our society, but this obsession for which we are biologically predisposed can be perversely incentivized by the pernicious effects of likes and followers on one's behaviors and priorities. This is an amazing quote. Let's repeat one thing that Dr. Byrne said. He said, quote, this obsession for which we are biologically predisposed. Well, as Christ followers, we know what we are predisposed to biologically, like our biological condition. We know what this is, right? It is our sin nature. As descendants of Adam, we are born with a sin nature and our only hope to overcome that and for salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He may not have said it this way, but I read into that. That's exactly what he meant. He's saying we are biologically predisposed to sin, to obsess about ourselves, to you know think about ourselves, elevate ourselves, perfect ourselves. And he may not have said it this way, but this is exactly what he meant. You know, we are sinners. We are biologically predisposed to sin. We think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We worship ourselves and we work to satisfy the desires of our flesh. But not only that, if we read even further down what into what Dr. Byrne also stated, he said that this obsession with our perfected appearance, because we have this in nature, is 
perversely incentivized by likes and followers on one's behaviors and priorities. So we have to ask the question, who is perversely incentivizing this? Social media platforms. That's who's doing this. They are the ones incentivizing this. And what is the incentive? I would have to say it's essentially worship. Hey, come over here. Put yourself on our platform. Perfect yourself. And then you're going to get the likes and the comments and you get the followers. Essentially, you become an idol to others and yourselves. This is idolatry. You know, you get the validation that you're pretty, that you're worthy, that you are enough, that you are popular, that you're a great parent, and so on and so on. It's so sad. But we, as followers of Christ, we just really can't live that way. We have been crucified with Christ, and we no longer live to our flesh, but for Christ. That's Galatians 2.20. And we die to our selfish, selfie way, and we seek the kingdom of God. That's Luke 9.23 and Matthew 6.33. We have all the validation we need available to us in God's word. We really don't need it from the world, from our followers, or quite frankly, even from our friends. In fact, we are explicitly told that if we do need that validation, we're not really servants of Christ. Galatians 1.10 says, For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please man? Because if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's yeah. a really hard kind of truth, Kelly, in, in today's world. Like with social media at our fingertips, that is hard to hear. That is true. And and Paul was speaking in a completely different context, but it's the same human nature. He's saying, for am I now seeking the approval of man or God? I think that's a question that we can ask ourselves on the daily, on the daily as parents, as young people, as just individuals, as husbands, wives, you name it. Are we seeking approval of man or God? And when we look at it from this angle, it is so easy to see how these AI beauty filters are tools handed to us, you know, by these platforms so that we harm ourselves. Actually, I don't even know if we can really call them tools because do they have an actual productive functionality? I think these filters could be considered weapons because they're weapons that young women and girls use that ultimately harm themselves and others. I think we have to look at it this way because we truly I, I can't think of what value it adds on a social media platform to be able to perfect yourself and then put yourself out there. What value are they adding to young women's lives? Or are they ultimately leading them to harm, destruction, and sin? Yeah, I mean, that's a really excellent line of reasoning. If what they call a digital tool does more harm than good, then yeah, I, it's a weapon. And at the risk of sounding too metaphorical, I kind of interpret social media as Satan's battlefield. He really does have the home court advantage in this. Um, a, kind of like a lot like the Roman amphitheater was his battlefield. You know, people were pitted against each other for the sake of entertainment and torturing Christians with sport. Well, today, girls pit themselves against each other, vying for the title of the most beautiful, and Christians fall into this trap as well. But sadly, though, we're not being rounded up and brought into the arena. We're willi willingly engaging. We're walking through the door saying, hey, I want to be a part of this. We're getting caught up in this sport without even realizing that ultimately we're pledging allegiance to some trend or fad like self-love or self-care. And ultimately that is all wrapped up in ourself. Like it's all about me. And sadly, we're no longer pledging our allegiance to Christ. You know, Cal, a lot of times we look at social media and think, man, we've never been here before. There are no answers for this problem, but we have, there is nothing new under the sun. 
We have been here before and God's word has answers to our questions. A lot of what we discuss today really revolves around the idea of Greek Gnosticism. Paul quite heartily tax the idea of Gnosticism pretty intensely in his epistles. I'm thinking of Colossians just right now off the top of my head. The Gnostics had a belief that essentially the body was bad and the spirit was good. Well, a modern day answer to that problem of having a body that is, quote, bad is to alter it through surgery. They're trying to transcend the sadness or the depression of their perceived physical state and reach a wholeness or a completeness with surgical alterations. Now, I really want to emphasize that we recognize and sympathize with folks that truly struggle with BDD because that would be an excruciating existence. The reality is, is that those who would meet the criteria for a diagnosis of BDD are actually very few in our population. What's more prevalent are folks who have found validation and worth through filters and can now no longer live without them, and they want those filters to be permanent. So I think just in the because we're Christians, because we have hope, we really need to kind of like pivot a little bit here and really focus on some hope. We need to remember what the Bible says about beauty and worth and approval. It is jam-packed with hope for us. For example, the word of God says that when our bodies were created, God called them good. Your nose is good. Your chin is good. Your height and your eyes, they are good. Not because I say so, but because God does. He knows your frame and he delights in you. And we have a savior, God in the flesh, who took on our form and he didn't despise it. He was humbled and he, he experienced our weakness all without sin. So today, if you're going to enter into the arena, um, I'm going to go back to my amphitheater analogy and put yourself up there to compete, whether it's through reels or tutorials or selfies, or maybe even through family pictures, I would encourage you to turn to God and to trust in what he says about you versus trusting what man is going to say about you through those likes or through those comments. Yeah, what you just said, it reminds me of one of the articles I read. Let me see here. It was a German YouTube influencer, and she is sort of popular because she speaks out against AI beauty filters. And the article said, she says, quote, it's a game with the devil. As soon as we appear publicly with the filters, we get positive feedback in the form of hearts and likes we feel accepted and the dopamine flows. It is a game with the devil. Like you said in the arena, I mean, we're willingly walking in and we're like saying, hey, let's compete with Satan. <laughs> Who's going to win? Are we going to win over temptation or is Satan going to captivate our hearts with likes and follows? So yeah, that's good hope. All right. So let's summarize what we know up to this point. So the concern for AI beauty filters has been growing for well over five years. AI beauty filters are found on almost all social media platforms as well as standalone apps, and they are only getting more and more prevalent and better. There are multiple mental, physical, and spiritual health concerns associated with its regular use for the purposes of social validation and worship. And this is evidenced by the increased diagnosis of BDD as well as the demand for cosmetic surgery procedures. So what do we do with this information? Like, how do we look at this through the lens of scripture and trust its sufficiency to lead us in holiness and out of the destructive ways of sin? Well, this is definitely not a topic where God is silent. There are several passages that discuss appearance, that discuss how much emphasis we should place on external beauty, ones that warn against false witness. And frankly, one entire theme throughout of scripture is the sin of idolatry and the worship of self. 
So if we systematically walk through all of the passages, we could easily be here for three hours, which I wouldn't mind. That'd be fine with me. (laughs) But I know that our listeners would not find that appealing. So we're just going to highlight some right now. All right. So I'd like to highlight the point that I thought about this as I was really thinking about what, what in the Bible is there judgment of appearances? And let's just look back to Genesis. Remember Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? He worked, Jacob worked for his uncle Laban for seven years to marry Rachel, who he thought was just so beautiful. And after seven years on his wedding, wedding night, his uncle Laban sent in Leah, the older sister, whose scripture described as having weak eyes. Now, I'm not really sure, but I'm just going to assume that he found her not nearly as attractive as Rachel. And it wasn't necessarily a sin that he was maybe attracted to one versus the other. You know, as humans, we do look at the outer appearance. But we have to remember that, right, that's that biological sin nature we might have. But God doesn't look at us that way. God looks at our hearts. And we see this in Sam, when Samuel, the prophet, was standing before all of Jesse's sons to determine who the Lord was going to choose to be king. And he tells Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7, Do not look at his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is so important because we do see the outer appearance of not only ourselves, but others, but it is a matter of our heart. And in today's culture, it, it really seems like we have a lot of control over our outward beauty. You know, our makeup, hair, nails, dress, the way we dress, all that. You know, Leah didn't have any option back in Genesis, except to put a veil over her face. But just because we can control that outward beauty in the 21st century doesn't mean that should be our all-consuming concern. Our consuming concern should be our heart and how God sees us. And the psalmist instructs us, right, in Psalm 31:30, that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You know, as a mother of three girls, I can attest that it is easy to overlook this important truth when you're discipling your children. We do have to teach them to first fear the Lord and to seek only the praise of the Lord. But often we get caught up even with our kids and making our kids dress perfect, look perfect. We want the world to see them and be a reflection of our great parenting. And we forget to teach them first the fear of the Lord. And Sure, on social media and even so many ways in the real world, what is praised, what is rewarded is beauty. But this is, that's the way of the world. That's not God's ways, right? Isaiah 55, 8 said, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And if we go back to the foundation, if Christ said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, whatever these things are that we think that will satisfy us. They will be added to us. He will satisfy our hearts in ways that things of the world cannot. So if he says, seek first me, not beauty, we have to trust that. And we have to fear God and seek him. And then that he will provide the only praise and approval that we need. The, the praise and approval of man, it's, it's fleeting and it's fickle. The world's going to love you one minute and it's going to cancel you the next. We really have to remember that God's ways for us are going to look so different than our ways, the ways that we would pick out or even the ways that the world picks out for us. 
we want to change our, our appearance to make ourselves feel good, but God didn't send Jesus to change our outer man. He sent him to change our hearts. God's concern has always been first and foremost with our hearts. So parents, we must look to how God has formed us, and that is from the inside out, and in turn, use that in our parenting. We must consider how our parenting is going to reflect a deep concern for our children's hearts. What words are we going to use to affirm Christ-like character in our children? For our parents listening, just think about this past week. What things about your child did you positively comment on? Was it their outfit choices? Was it their good hair? Was it how well they put themselves together? Or was it examples of their honesty, their perseverance, their kindness? And in kind of like that opposite sort of vein, how did you negatively comment on your kids? Did your words form them the way that God has formed you? There are so many girls, even from the youngest of ages, who have latched onto the world's standards for beauty. And the bad habits and the wrong kind of thinking start at much, much younger ages because parents share their kids on platforms. And those parents model the bad habits and the wrong kind of thinking. And the child believes, hey, that's right, because mom and dad do it. Sadly, and that's a harsh reality. And I think we can all have the most altruistic reasons for sharing pictures of ourselves and our kids. But we have to remember our sin nature. We want to put out a perfected image. No one is putting out all of their baggage and drama and worse pictures on social media. It doesn't happen. And you can say, well, that's not what the platforms are for. But we have to check our hearts and say, why am I sharing these pictures of my kids looking great, but I won't share it (laughs) when they're looking terrible? Um, I think when we think about putting this false reality out into public spaces, when these filtered photos are, and maybe they're not even filtered, but you went to a lot of lengths to make sure that you looked perfect. Um, When those are shared on Social media, it's fundamentally a sin of false witness. The filtered selfie is not truth. And I know some people are not going to like that fact. There can be a lot of justifications for using the filters, but I think that we can boldly say that if you are regularly posting filtered selfies online in order to receive validation, in order to receive likes, in order to be praised, there is a heart issue happening. Proverbs 10 9 states, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. I imagine that those who use these beauty filtered and posting selfies also struggle with social anxiety because there's always a risk of being found out. And kind of like how Proverbs says, you're making your ways crooked. You're putting yourself into, um, you're presenting a false witness and you're scared of being found out. And you may see it as just this just subtle deception in the online world. It's no big deal. Who really cares? But Galatians 6, 5 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. For whatever one sows, he will reap. Like we said earlier, God knows our heart. He doesn't look at our outward appearance. He knows our heart. And that's where we should be looking as well. We should be trying to be transformed into the image of God, transform our hearts. This is where we look to God's word and see what it says and recognize that this command is not easy. But what also isn't easy is when we disobey and there's the consequences associated with that. And maybe that's anxiety, maybe it's depression, maybe it's some other mental health issue. 
maybe it's just that fear of being found out. Those consequences are not easy either. And I think this message desperately needs to be taught to our young girls before they are taken captive to online beauty standards. This is the message that needs to be shared with your friends who have five, six, seven-year-old girls, if not maybe even younger, (laughs) to those moms because it really starts so, so young. And I go back to one of my favorite passages in all of scripture, and that's Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? God's word. We are not renewed by any beauty treatment or enhancement. We are not renewed by a filter that shows us how perfect it we could possibly be and that surely God made a mistake. Surely my nose was supposed to be look like this. Surely my eyelashes were supposed to be longer. No, God did not make a mistake. We are not renewed by those things. We are renewed only by the Holy Spirit through the power of God's word. And this is, this is the truth of God's word. It is hard to accept and it's hard to obey. It really is. But at the end of the day, I think we can safely answer the question of should Christians use AI beauty filters to post on social media with no. Could you use an, an AI filter to maybe edit some photos from maybe like your friend's wedding and you're going to print them out and you're going to hang them up, but you, you know, enhance the sky to look even more beautiful, <laughs> you know, and maybe you made, you know, the lighting pop a little bit more because you're going to hang it in your house. I think that's a little bit different than posting it for social validation. So, I mean, I know that there's a, there's a thin line and, and we are definitely not in judgment of anybody who's used a beauty, beauty filter before, but we're just saying that going forward, it really is one of those questions that we have to ask, like Paul in Galatians 1.10, am I working for the approval of man or God? Am I trying to please man or please God? I think that's some really powerful truth, Kelly. It would be awesome just to memorize Galatians 1.10 and just use it every time you're about to post and really like help you filter and discern what's going on in your heart. This is a very, very relevant topic right now. Um, I'm sure it seems like parents have a million and a half lessons to impart on your children and it just kind of gets overwhelming. Just tuck this one away in your back pocket. When the time is perfect and you come across an AI edited picture or maybe your daughter asks about it, remember the biblical principles behind this cultural practice. Remember what the Lord says to us, that he, he approves of us, not man. Yeah. And it's one of those subtle things I think we can incorporate into the daily. Like you said, I loved your point of did we praise their character or did we praise, you know, how beautiful their makeup looked or the outfit that they put together or how they fixed their hair? These are all easy, simple ways that we can reinforce that it's not just the outer appearance that matters. And if I can just humbly implore all of us as adults, as parents who are listening, it starts with us. It really does. We need to set the right example. We need to ensure our hearts in this area, you know, that we are pursuing holiness and not online worship. I know it's hard to change our habits. It's hard to feel the weight of conviction. Maybe we said something that maybe you're mad right now because you did not like what we said. And, and that might be conviction that maybe, you know, you are seeking the approval of, of man instead of God. And, and we just pray, pray, pray that that you just pursue the Lord in that and that you can just humbly come before him and allow him to transform your, your heart. And ultimately we have to, we have to know that 
We can't live with one foot in the world and the other foot in the kingdom of God. We have to choose. We have to choose. And I pray that we all choose to live as kingdom-minded citizens. And this is one of culture and the world of, of digital media and technology that can subtly creep in and uh, take away our holiness and drive us away ultimately from the worship of God to the worship of self. So I just want to thank you all so much for, for tuning in, for listening. We pray that the Lord blesses you with our ministry, that you learn something, that it's something that you can share, that you sort of tuck these messages and lessons away in your back pockets so that when you do face these topics and issues with your kids, that you can pull them out and have uh, the wisdom and really can trust the sufficiency of scripture to know that there is an answer always in scripture that we can lean on. And hey, if you love this podcast, we would love for you to leave us a review, to leave us five stars, whatever platform you're listening on, that helps the message get out even further. And um, it helps the message in the podcast get out to more and more people. So thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you so much for joining me today. Good as always, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, go and be brave.